ladies, puberty, PMT, pregnancy, the menopause. Yes, your hormones have been taking you for a ride for years. Hot flushes on the bus, menopausal meltdowns in the office. Whatever those hormones have made you do, Jenny Smith and Kate Faust are here to lend a sympathetic ear. Why not write in and share your hormonal hell with the girls? Don't worry, they've heard it all before. It's time to put those hormones in the firing line. This is Dear Hormones. Welcome to your safe space, ladies. Coming up on today's show, when PMT and School Photo Day collide, how one woman survived a flooding episode at a restaurant, and Carolyn Harris, MP, shares her menopausal journey. Hello, welcome back to Dear Hormones. Hi, Kate. Hello. Hi, everybody. So here we are. This is episode six of season two, Kate. We've done quite well again, I think. Oh, amazing. For a pair of women with um, a, a tech- technophobes, for a pair <laughs> of technophobes. We've had it again today, haven't we, Kate? Oh, every time. I don't know how it how it happens. It was and it was me and my leads again today. You you know about me and my leads and how they drive me mad. But yeah, it was cables today. I couldn't find a charging cable that worked. It seems that there's those charging cables for charging iPads and phones. They break constantly in our house, and I'm not sure. How to, even like the sort of the heavy duty ones, there's those reinforced ones that we buy, yeah. and still we manage to break them. But Kate, it wasn't completely your fault because we started off, we were half an hour late because I couldn't get my microphone to work, which was a nightmare. Do you know what I did in the end? Tell me. Unplugged it. (gasps) Um, That's all I did. I unplugged it and plugged it back in again. But that was after half an hour of doing everything else but. So that was annoying. And then Kate had sent me a message saying, for once, Jenny, I'm completely ready to go. I'm all set and I'll just wait for you to give me the the heads up. And then, then when I did finally get my stuff working, Kate was like, Oh, hang on, Jenny, I need to go find a lead. <laughs> <laughs> and I think oh. you using that word lead rather than cable, that probably, that does make me realise probably what one of the causes is of our cables all being broken, which which is that my four-year-old does like to use them as dog leads. So she tends to sort of, you know, <laughs> you pick up the cables. Put them, <laughs> no, we haven't even got a dog. She picks up the cables, puts them around as a, a cuddly toy and then pulls the toys around using them and I just think it's not very good for them anyway this is all not information that anybody needs to know should we, should we crack on Jenny yeah we should crack on but that I, but that that is the explanation isn't it I mean that's actually what's happened there I think you've got to keep this podcast lead separate from um, your your four-year-old I think I think you're right now Kate um at the end of um last week's show um, we had something, didn't we? We had a letter and we said, oh, we'll ask Zora. So Zora is your sister-in-law who is a GP and she specialises in women's health. And we said that we were going to ask Zora and it was about what we can do for PMT. Is that right? That was right, wasn't it? That's right. It's to do with PMT and rage symptoms during PMT. So, yes. So did, did you ask Zora? I did indeed. And she has written to us and this is what she says. She says, the good news is that there is treatment for PMS. Lifestyle changes, similar to those that help menopausal symptoms, will help. These include exercise, reducing sources of stress, alcohol, sugar and carbs in your diet, and CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy. Also, you can speak to your GP about trialling an SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, or the combined contraceptive pill. 
If these are ineffective, unsuitable or not tolerated, you might want to discuss other options with a gynaecologist. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, hopefully um, we should, well, maybe we should uh, get directly in touch with the Rage family and uh, pass that message on to them. I've not heard of SSRIs before, I have to say. No, I haven't. What did you say they are? Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. (laughs) <laughs> oh right okay <laughs> does that but that's good girls ladies out there just um we don't need to know what it means we just need to know that it helps <laughs> and that you could speak to your gp about it if if that was a problem for you oh that's really good to know do you know i wish i'd known that when i was younger because my rage was slightly out of control particularly when i was um a teenager oh my god that would have helped me i think um <laughs> So the other thing I was going to tell you was, uh, since we recorded last, I have photographed Carolyn Harris MP. My goodness. Now I know about this, Jenny, and how very exciting that you photographed her because she's been doing so much. She's been really championing the menopause, um, hasn't she? And there's been, yeah. 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 So as, as we said last week, you know, she's managed to get the HRT bill passed, which is going to make prescriptions for HRT cheaper. But the bigger picture is really that there's a task force that's been set up that is going to be um, talking about menopause and menopause in the workplace and menopause in uh, training colleges for GPs and, and for doctors. So there's, you know, really exciting things are happening. And I feel that Carolyn Harris is spearheading that. So while I was photographing her, Kate, I um As part of my project, I'm also asking all the women a series of questions about ageing and the menopause and all sorts of things. Mm. And um, and Carolyn opened up to me about her own menopause experience. And um, she said that we can play it out on the podcast. So um, at the end of this podcast, we'll um, it'll be like a live letter. Yeah, she'll be reading it out live um, about her her experience of of the menopause. So got that to look forward to at the end. Oh, that's excellent news. What's she like, Jenny? What is Carolyn like in real life? Oh, she was so, so lovely, Kate. I think she's the sort of woman. I, I wish all MPs were like her. You know, she's she's come from nothing, really. She, you know, she talks openly about, you know, um, you know, they, they didn't have much money growing up. And she really understands the issues um, of uh, what people are facing in her area, which is Swansea East. And she's just like of the people. I don't know if that's the right phrase to use, but she's so easy to talk to um, and just really gets it. And that's actually one of the things she said to me, actually, when I was um, asking her questions was, um, I said, you know, she seems to be changing the face of what MPs, you know, in terms of what, what an, a t- traditional MP should look like and be like. And she said that she really firmly believes that before becoming an MP, it's really important that you've done other things first. Mm. You know, you've lived a life, you've had other jobs. You know, she was a dinner lady, she was a barmaid. And she says all these experiences have really helped her understand her community. And so she really can represent them properly. Um, she was just an ama- a really amazing woman, Kay. I absolutely loved, loved meeting her. And I absolutely mm. love the photograph of her as well. Have a look at the Dear Hormones Instagram page because I posted it on there, guys. Um, and you can see her. She's so cool. She turned up in this lovely big fur coat, navy blue fur coat. And she just had um, lunch with Joan Collins. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear her letter. Now, speaking of letters, I've got a letter here for us. Um that has really made me laugh. You haven't heard it yet, Jenny. Um, So I'm going to read it to you now. Dear Jenny and Kate, as a mother of four boys, I find there is very little empathy in my house for any dip in maternal hormones. 
At certain times of the month, the boys remain blissfully unaware that even the slightest noise from them has the potential to send their mother into a monstrous rage, let alone their usual rampaging and yelling and general boy craziness. Treading carefully is simply not a thing in our house. And so, to the day about which I am writing, school photo day. Oh, oh, brilliant. I feel a good one coming on. (laughs) It's a good one. Now, I must confess at the start of this story that I am a sucker for the school photo. I love them. It's like Christmas for me when those little cherubic pictures appear, memorialising year on year their chubby cheeks, their gappy teeth, their perfectly swept to the side hair. Gorgeous. I have a whole wall of the house devoted to these photos. And how much more wonderful when all of the children appear together in one beautiful portrait of sibling togetherness. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm with her on those photographs because I've got I've got quite a few friends who hate those photographs and they never buy them. And um, I always, always buy them because for me, it's a moment in time. My little boy trotted off down to have that photograph taken. He sat in that place. He did that smile all in that moment. And I couldn't bear to like not buy it, even if it's really rubbish. <laughs> I, I just absolutely love those school photographs. I might actually, um, actually, my mum has a huge display of all the grandchildren's school photographs all over one wall. But mine are actually, as much as I've just said, I love them. They're all in the, they're all in the box <laughs> under the bed. <laughs> I quite love them. I love them too, but I have this thing with my husband is not such a big fan. And oh, he is he just, not? He objects to spending lots of money to, on these photographs, and they do cost quite a lot, don't they? They and do. And this year, he, just, he said again, no, you know, really, they're, they're not that great. We don't need to get them. And yesterday, I just placed the order. and it cost, Good, Kate. I know, I just did it. Because like like you say, and like and as our, our, our anonymous writer has said, they are, they're, they're special. They're a moment in time. You know, this is like yeah. the last year of my daughter being in proper secondary school and it's it's the first proper photo that my son has had taken in secondary school because of covid last year and you know so it's a special special too important oh and I remember one actually from I remember when um, my son was probably about six or seven and normally for the school photo you're well aware the school photo day is coming don't you so you dress them in the clothes that you want them to wear and make sure they look really cool and I always think oh let's not date this photo too much let's put him in a nice stripy t-shirt well this one year I completely forgot it was school photo day and off he went in his really tacky uh, angry birds sweatshirt so, <laughs> <laughs> so it had do you remember angry birds it was really of, of its time wasn't it um and it's covered in in these um pictures and I said to my sister, oh, no, I sent him off in his Angry Birds sweatshirt. She said, don't worry about that. She said, that will be a moment in time one day. You know, that's the sweatshirt that he loved and that's what he used to wear. And she's so right because that's now one of my favourite photos of him because he actually wore what he wanted to wear and not, yeah. what, not what I'd put him in. Uh, lovely. Right, I'll carry on with the letter. The last sentence was, and how much more wonderful when all of the children appeared together in one beautiful portrait of sibling togetherness. Obviously, that is the dream. I am, of course, very much aware from painful experience that putting pressure on the children to create a perfect photo will only end in tears, not least for me and most probably for everyone. (laughs) However, this year, with the school having reinstated the sibling photo after a COVID-enforced hiatus, I was determined that we were going to get the perfect studio portrait. No matter that two of the boys are now at a different school, so can't be photographed within school hours. 
the extremely kind and thoughtful headmaster had organised a special early morning slot for families with such a predicament, and even though this added a certain level of stress to the whole proceedings due to the extremely small gap between the time of the photo shoot and the time of the registration bell at the other school, I made it clear to the boys that we, as a family, would rise to the challenge because Mummy and Daddy and Grandma all needed that picture of their lovely boys. <laughs> Just the word needed. I don't know why. <laughs> we do, don't we? We need those. I need needed those them. photos. I needed them so much that I've spent over £50. <laughs> oh. Does your husband ever listen to the podcast, Kate? <laughs> don't tell. <laughs> and she writes there, our writer writes, hmm, and dot, dot, dot. dot. <laughs> Oh, this is so good already. It didn't occur to me to consider the time of the month when I started getting a little bit irritated by the youngest's <laughs> choice of T-shirt that morning. <laughs> Nor when I found my temper becoming increasingly frayed by the refusal of the eldest to get up from the sofa and put on his uniform because it's not my school photo. <laughs> How old is that one, do we think? Does she say how old that one is? Secondary school, is he? Secondary school. (laughs) When I started snapping at child number three that, yes, he did need to get ready with everyone else because we had to go in early, as I had already said ten times, (laughs) it didn't cross my mind that my exasperation had much to do with anything other than the children's unhelpful behaviour. Anxious child number two was at least ready and waiting at the door while I continued to chase the others around the house, shouting... Teeth! Get dressed! Shoes on! In various directions. We've all been there, haven't we? Yeah, see, I only have one, and that's what it's like in my house. Now times that by four, four. And I can't cope. I can't Imagine. Cope. Mm. But his repeatedly expressed worry about being late for registration began to add a further pressure to an already pressurised situation. So this is the thing when you have children who are quite different from each other and it sounds as though her second child is is quite anxious and was very worried about missing the registration, whereas her eldest child was quite the opposite and not willing to get off the sofa. That must be, you've got them pulling in different directions. That's not easy. All their little personalities. Mm. Whilst I dislodged the many plastic items deemed necessary for school by child number four from his sticky little hands, child three... (laughs) (laughs) Child. Oh, we're just bringing it all back. It's bringing... <laughs> this poor lady. <laughs> what did she say that he had several what items? He's got, like, many plastic items <laughs> deemed necessary for school. <laughs> oh, I've now got visions. That, in fact, I must share it on Dear Hormones um, Instagram. I, like, my son around that sort of age constantly had a load of shit in his pocket. Like, like, like stuff he'd picked up off the floor, litter, rubbish. I mean, a whole mound of it. And in the end, I started a photography project. I started photographing it every day. And actually, that's really good now. But at the time, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, what do you want all this stuff? And he's just got a collection of plastic items. That's just so reminiscent of that age. Oh, My daughter's exactly the same. I think they're similar ages. And yeah, exactly the same. I should just photograph, just photograph what's in her pockets sometimes. She probably has a few tampons in there, doesn't she? (laughs) Sometimes, yeah, (laughs) almost certainly. Um, So while she dislodged the many plastic items deemed necessary for school by child number four, child three sauntered downstairs with his customary customary expression of abject misery. (laughs) (laughs) 
I wonder who's if he's roughly the same age as as ours. <laughs> Whereupon World War Three almost immediately broke out between numbers two and three. Oh my God! Oh my God. <laughs> and this is all prior to the school photo yes. taking place. Loving it. Within seconds, there was screaming, kicking, hair pulling, and most infuriating, the deafening wail of the injured party who had, to be fair, started the whole thing. By this point, there was minimal patience and certainly zero sympathy left within me. Grim-faced and barking orders at the three of them, I soon had them ready, if not entirely happy, at the front door. But where on earth was the eldest? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God! It makes me this is the sulky one. Is this the sulky one, the one that sauntered in? No, no, is this that was one? child number three. <laughs> I think the, the, the eldest was the one who wouldn't get off the sofa and he said it wasn't oh, okay. his school photo and he wasn't going wasn't okay. to move. He's nowhere to be seen. Love it. <laughs> Are you ready yet? We're meant to have left by now. <laughs> I bellowed up the stairs to be met by silence. Can you hear me? <laughs> I virtually screamed. <laughs> Around the corner, moving at a snail's pace. (laughs) Stop for a minute. (laughs) You can just see the whole I so can, Kate. I so can. (laughs) Snail's pace. He's he's doing it on purpose, isn't he? Yeah. He's completely doing it on purpose. Oh, there is no energy in a teenager. There is no, I'm presuming this is a teenager, (laughs) there is no hurry at any stage ever. (laughs) He is a teenager because she then says, moving at a snail's pace and with an expression of teenage contempt on his face, (laughs) came child number one. (laughs) I love it. She's got them all numbered. (laughs) What did she say about number one? She said around the corner, moving at a snail's pace and with an expression of teenage contempt on his face, came came child number one. Child number one. Hurry up! We need to go now! I shouted. Without even looking at me, he sat down on the bottom stair and very very slowly started to unlace his school shoes. Oh! What are you doing? Hurry up! I yelled. Oh, 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 this is great. (laughs) Opening the front door and ushering the other three out, who in the face of their brother's defiance had suddenly become abnormally quiet and obedient. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when one of them's in trouble, you know, you know, I remember that with my brothers when they were in trouble, that I would always go like sort of really quiet. (laughs) (laughs) And also a little, enjoy it a little bit. Yes, I did. (laughs) Can I admit that? You can, you can. We are leaving now and you will not make us late. Put on your shoes and run after us. <laughs> I growled at him and grabbing the hands of the nearest two children, started marching them along the road like a woman possessed. Sons two and three took it in turns to look back and inform me of the progress of their brother, who was maintaining a steady ten house distance between us. <laughs> This letter almost doubles up as um, like a a teenage hormone thing as well, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) We've kind of got hers and his going on now. Jenny is crying, can I say, Uh, with laughter. I am. I am. I really, it's like I'm watching it happen in my head. I can see. (laughs) 
(laughs) refusing to give in and wait for him and ignoring the urge to scream run (laughs) over my shoulder (laughs) on we sped towards the school but for goodness sake the main gate was still locked I hadn't thought to tell the eldest where to go on arrival at the school, and so, much to the consternation of child two, who was still asking every minute what the time was, I had had unwillingly to give in and wait for child one to slowly catch up so that we could enter the school grounds by another entrance. By this point, I was absolutely seething, and upon seeing the queue of other families who had clearly had the same plan as me, I rounded on the eldest. This is all your fault. You ruined this for everyone. Mummy and Daddy don't ask you to do much and you can't even do this one thing. We joined the back of the queue and attempted to wait (laughs) like a normal family who didn't all hate each other. And also... (laughs) (laughs) And also she's in front of all these other families now. (laughs) acting normal behind the wall she obviously wanted to get there to get to be first in the queue and get there and that in itself is stressful because I remember do you remember Cakes our kids went to the same school when they did those shows those Christmas shows and the and the summer shows where if you didn't get there at a certain time you would have no chance of getting those first few seats (laughs) those first few rows and it used to get me so anxious leading up to that is there going to be a queue already you know I kind of feel I know how she's feeling about oh. just even the fact she's not even in the she was supposed to be at the front of that queue Kate yeah yeah <laughs> had things now gone you see to the plan. thing with me Jenny I don't know if you can remember but with all those shows <laughs> do you ever remember me arriving as one of the first <laughs> <laughs> whilst I have a very competitive streak I, I think you know I know that I'm never going to be one of the earliest for anything and therefore with those shows I just gave up and I always arrived at the end did you not ask your friends who were early to save you a seat? Did you do that? I didn't really know, but maybe Ooh. I should have done. Okay, you missed a trick. Although people I... hated that. People <laughs> hated that. <laughs> you, saving a seat is like a massive no. In oh. fact, there was an incident once. I, I probably better not say because people listen. <laughs> I found that actually arriving late was not a bad thing because it's much better to be standing at the back than to be sitting in one of those back seats. Oh, yeah, you don't want to be sitting at the back. You don't want to be sitting. No. Anyway, this is all. Sorry, yeah, so she's (laughs) at the back of the queue. She's back at the queue, pretending she likes her family. (laughs) I'm going to read that sentence again because it's so brilliant. We joined the back of the queue and attempted to wait like a normal family who didn't all hate each other. (laughs) While I pretended to be a nice mummy and offer up cheery greetings to all the other lovely mummies in the queue. Another five minutes of grumbling all round and constant worried time checks from child number two, and we were in. We'd done it, I thought. I thought wrong. The next few minutes were possibly the most excruciating of the lot, while my four normally photogenic boys sat stony-faced and ever so slightly teary. <laughs> camera and resisting every attempt the lovely lady photographer made to coax them to smile at one point she even resorted to making the sort of silly noises you might employ to make a baby giggle (laughs) now i am a photographer i I feel sorry for this woman (laughs) 
big time. The photographer, I mean, I really feel sorry for her. I think I've tried all sorts like that, no matter what their age, <laughs> just to try and get something out of them. Oh, pressure is on. <laughs> Nothing was working. After about 15 shots and much begging by me for just one smile, please, she admitted defeat. As I watched the boys trail sullenly out of the room, I was forced to accept that this year's sibling photograph would portray the sort of miserable little boys that only a miserable mother such as me could produce. Oh, oh no. no. No, It's your hormones and the fact you've got four boys. Absolutely. <laughs> Off went the eldest two with scarcely a goodbye in their rush to beat the registration bell, while the third was muttering, why did you make us do that, mummy? <laughs> Why indeed? In truth, as is so often the case, the reason for my undeniably disproportionate fury only became clear a few days later when, lo and behold, that special feminine visitor arrived. Oh. It was a surprise, despite its absolutely regular monthly occurrence for the past 34 years. <laughs> P.S. The photo has since arrived. In their dead-eyed expressionlessness... <laughs> dead-eyed! <laughs> I have to grudgingly admit that they look like an especially cool indie band. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma loves it. Oh. <laughs> and also, this is just like I said about the fact that these kids, it's a moment in time. That's going to be her moment in time. They will all <laughs> laugh about this one day and that will probably become their favourite family photo yes. they ever had because of this whole story that went with it. <laughs> and I have to tell you, so um, this writer actually sent me a picture. She, she has sent me the photograph as well, which obviously we can't share. I can share it to you, share it to you, but it can't. But... It it genuinely... <laughs> send it, send it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to send it to you. For your eyes only, you can see this. Get okay. ready, Jane. I am ready. I'm so ready. I'm getting ready. Right. And send. Okay. Send. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I've got it. I've got it. I'm opening it up now. Opening it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Can you believe that it? Is, I mean, yes, she's right. They do... <laughs> of a smile <laughs> there is not a trace of a smile in any one of them not in any one of the four child number four looks particularly annoyed doesn't he <laughs> with his head tilt <laughs> it's like come on then they are oh i'm gonna look at the t child number one now i'm really st oh you child number one <laughs> you need to start respecting your mum get your shoes on on time oh it's great this is, it's a real shame we can't share this but obviously we won't but believe you me not a single one is smiling and they look <laughs> I mean child number one looks like he potentially has been crying doesn't he <laughs> It was a little bit. He does definitely look sad, but she's right. They look very cool. They look very, very cool. I mean, grumpy. their mouths are turned down at the corners down. rather than up, aren't they? Yeah, All properly four. down, particularly child number four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good, guys. It is so good. I wish we could, wish you could see it. Even if you were not at a particularly hormonal time <laughs> in your cycle or in your life, that would surely drive anybody crazy, wouldn't it? Having four children all pulling in different directions. Insane. When you when you really want to get them somewhere at a certain time for a specific purpose. So stressful. Yeah. <laughs> she, she must have that kind of scenario on an almost daily basis anyway, let alone when the hormones are you know kicking in. I think she's a saint. Thank you for sending that in. It's a long time since I've been crying with laughter over a letter. So, <laughs> so thank you. 
oh, right, let's calm down, calm down. And uh, I'm going to get ready for letter number two, Kate. Letter number two, letter number two is good. Um, okay, it's called, well, I called it this, um, little play on words here, Kate. I called it Postman Hat. Oh, Postman Hat. Instead of Postman Pat. I see what it? you did there. <laughs> Postman Hat. Okay, this comes from Can you Debs. sing us a little, little jingle, <laughs> Postman please? Hat. Postman, postman hat, hat, postman hat, hat and I won't say what happens in the end, but it's something okay. I'll probably make of another song at the end of the letter. Okay. Um, okay. Postman Hat from Debs in Northampton. Dear Jenny and Kate, having listened to one of your previous letters about a disastrous flooding episode in the boardroom, I thought I would tell you about my own hellish experience that only happened a few months ago. Friends of ours own a restaurant and they had invited my husband and I, along with three other friends, to have dinner there. We were incredibly excited as it was just after lockdown, so going out at all was something of a novelty. I'd put on a pair of jeggings, brackets, <laughs> elasticated waistbands had become my friend in lockdown, and mine, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and still too. are, and yeah. still are, yeah. And a lovely new top that hung just below the top of the trousers. I felt great. I hadn't put makeup on for months, let alone do my hair, and the excitement of being let out was off the scale. We'd offered to drive our three other friends to the restaurant, so there we were, all in the car, my husband and I in the front, them in the back. But a mere five minutes into our journey and disaster struck, I felt the familiar and dreaded whoosh of a full-blown flood completely out of nowhere. Oh, 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 God. My periods are usually really regular, despite being in my mid-50s. But this one had come out of the blue and had taken me utterly by surprise. What to do? The three girls in the back, whilst friends of mine, were more friends with the restaurant owners and I didn't feel at all comfortable enough to confide in them. I was starting to panic, whilst the dampness in my pants got worse by the second. Under my breath, I muttered to my husband, I'm flooding. You what? He replied. Flooding. I'm flooding. I'm bleeding beyond all belief. It's leaking onto my jeggings. I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? He had nothing. He offered some words of comfort but had no idea how to resolve the issue and we both sat in stunned silence for a moment or two longer. Oh, this is making me think of the story of um, the lady in the car with the Pringles can when the husband started emptying the, you yeah, know. Yeah, well, she needs to go for a wee, only this is blood. <laughs> so, but the yeah. husband there did, you know, did, did say, oh, oh, I get that, and he emptied the Pringles can. I'm thinking, what could this husband do? What could, what... <laughs> I don't know, come no, on. Absolutely nothing. She, she desperately needs his help, doesn't she? And then she goes, so we both sat in stunned silence for a moment or two longer. It was then that I spied his favourite woolly hat. <laughs> <laughs> He's a postman and this hat is worn almost every day on his rounds. He bloody loves it. Bloody being the operative <laughs> word here. <laughs> That's too good. Without a moment's hesitation, I grabbed the hat and started shoving it down my trousers whilst hubby looked on in abject horror. <gasps> I could feel the blood immediately soak into the fabric, but even this, I feared, wasn't going to be enough to stem the flow. 
Quick thinking, though. It was then that we arrived at the restaurant. Hanging back and letting the three girls in the back get out first, I tentatively got out of the car where my friend and restaurant owner was waiting to greet me. The thing I remember most about this moment... (laughs) I just read the The thing I remember most about this moment... (laughs) ..was the bulge. (laughs) That reminds me, was the bulge. You know when I said about... um, when I had that bulge in my pants from the pants you've had that time at school. The almighty bulge. Yeah. The ginormous bulge in <laughs> my skin-tight jeggings of the sodden and leaking postman's hat <laughs> that was rammed down my pants. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Debs, we feel for you. We feel your pain right now. Thankfully, this friend is someone I can tell anything to. So I quickly revealed my predicament and she hurried me off to the loo. I say hurried. It was more of a waddle as I tried not to dislodge the hat and make matters even worse. Oh, you know, that walk, that walk when, oh my God. I remember sitting on the loo and the blood just wouldn't stop coming. The hat, the precious postman's hat, was absolutely drenched and I just didn't know what to do. My wonderful friend then arrived with a first aid kit and took out some bandages. Some bandages. So I bunched them up and put them in my pants and I even wedged them up there oh, too. No. <laughs> As a makeshift tampon. A phrase no woman should ever have to utter. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, Debs. Oh, oh Debs. I, oh my God. I mean, I'd have had to have just given up and gone home. I just don't know. Oh. Oh, the blood just wouldn't stop coming, my no. goodness. And what's she going to do with the with the postman's hat as well? I know. It's like it's drenched in blood. I hope she's got like a carrier bag. Something, yeah. I still had the issue of my lovely new top not being anywhere near long enough to hide the blood stain on my jeggings. Oh. So my friend found a jacket that I could tie around my waist and that was how I left the bathroom and walked to my table. Oh. My first night out after lockdown had become a night out from hell. Oh, she'd been so looking forward to it and she'd felt so good about herself. She felt beautiful when she left that night. Put her makeup on, she'd done her hair. Oh my God, I bet she looked amazing. And she goes, as for the hat, a few spins in the hot wash later and it's back on his head doing the postman rounds. I told you it was his (laughs) favourite. And it has a story to tell. It's It's even more special, that hat now. Yeah, one day she can laugh about it, hopefully now, with us laughing about it with her. <laughs> so what, you were going to sing a little song, you were going to, you said yeah, after so we'd, re- after to, we'd yeah, heard the story. Yeah. Okay, you're the poet, <laughs> you're the poet. In fact, here, okay, for the Instagram page, can you write a poem about this letter, about the postman hat, please? And we'll put it on the Instagram page. Don't do it now, but you can do it later and <laughs> okay. we'll get it on the Instagram I love a poem and I haven't written one for a while. So. You haven't. Yes, and you haven't written one for our podcast. We normally have that on the Instagram, your your roundup of the episodes. You need to get cracking. <laughs> what a story, Debs. I bet you still looked beautiful. You may not have felt it, but I bet you still looked gorgeous. I bet she did as well. Even with the, you know, the jacket tied around the waist could have been a fashion statement, yeah. couldn't it? With the menopause, I haven't actually had um, the flooding thing. That didn't really happen with me. Um, but we're reading so many stories about that now, aren't we? We're getting quite a lot of them. It's a good thing she had that postman's hat to hand. I know. See, her husband did help in the end in a roundabout way. 
Mm. Probably not in the way he'd have wished to help, but he did. (laughs) But he still helped. But he helped all the same. Goodness, those two letters, both of them, absolutely hilarious they've both given me such such a laugh today <laughs> I know they're priceless aren't they I mean like I said it's been a long time since I've actually had tears in my eyes crying I love a laugh oh actually that reminds me because um we were out the other night weren't we Kate and a friend of ours a mutual friend of ours who has been listening to the podcast came up to us and um oh she said something absolutely lovely didn't she tell t- t- tell everyone what she said Kate um she came up to us and she said that she loves to love she loves a laugh too um, and she loves listening to our podcast for that reason. But then she said the sentence that brought tears to both of our eyes. It was quite an emotional moment. She said, but I need to tell both of you, it goes beyond the laughs. That was her oh, phrase that she said. Yeah. And she was talking about her own experience of um, how she has recently um, started HRT. And she doesn't think that she would necessarily have, have thought to go and ask her doctor for that were it not for our podcast. But yeah. Through that, she came to see that she was displaying various symptoms of the perimenopause. And she says going on HRT has really made a massive difference. Um, And so, yes, when she said that she feels for her, the show, and for many other women, that it goes beyond the laughs. I just thought it was such a lovely thing to say. We are getting more and more of that sort of thing. People coming up to us kind of thanking us, which is really sweet because, you know... We are making a, a difference, I think, to some of the people that are listening. And as she said, you know, it does go beyond the laughs. It's very serious what we're talking about here. And the people who write the letters into the show, they are making a difference. So yeah. it's sort of all of us, it's everybody together. It's everybody, all yes. of us. We're in this little gang together, guys. We might not be the biggest podcast out there, but I feel like we've got a real kind of a little gang here of all of us, uh, dear hormoners. And um, I'm really proud. Uh, I'm really proud of what we've um, kind of built together. So thank you. Thank you all so much for writing. Um, anyway, so our, our last letter this week is not really a letter. This is the um, little chat that I had with Carolyn Harris, MP. I asked her just about her menopausal experience and she says a, few, a couple of really good little things in here. So let's listen to that and then Kate and I we can come back and we'll have a little chat about it, can't we? And say goodbye to you all. But yeah, in the meantime, enjoy Carolyn Harris. Mine goes back to the fact that I had an ectopic pregnancy in 2003 and my right ovaries exploded at the time that the ectopic came to light. So I was always running on one cylinder, if you like, from 2003 until 2010. So my periods really went awire during that time. So there would be times when I would have a period for a month and then I wouldn't see for three months or I would have a period nonstop for two weeks and then, you know, nothing for two weeks. And But it was getting to the point, Jenny, if I'm honest, where there was only a couple of days in the month when I wasn't having a period. It was just horrendous. And then in 2010, for about... I mean, I can't remember the exact amount of time because I, did, I didn't realise how ill I was. But I think probably about six months, four, five, six months, I had one continual period and I couldn't get up off a chair. I could sit on a chair with about 20 sanitary towels on and I was fine. Once I stood up, oh my God, it was horrendous. And I'd have to, I would come through everything and I'd have to go and change everything. And I was working in an office and I was passing up on the office floor. Um, oh. It was just horrendous. And one of the girls in the office was going on holidays for a fortnight and said to me, I'll see you in a fortnight. Well, I might not because you you may be dead by then. And I, I said, what do you mean by that? Have you seen how ill you look? And at the time, I was walking up the stairs to, to go to the bathroom in the house and I would get like halfway up, I'd have to stop. And then I'd get to the top and I'd have to stop. And then I'd go into the bathroom and then I'd have to sit at the top of the stairs so I could come back down halfway. And I, I just never realised all this. 
So after I, I was rushed into hospital and they said I was the woman who was the walking dead. So even before they would look at me, they had to give me, I think it was either three or four pints of blood and a pint of iron intravenously. Then they opened me up to find out what was causing it and they were massive fibroids. So I don't know when the period stopped and the fibroids started. I don't know because the fibroids may have been building up for quite a few years and that was what the bleeding was. And my periods may have started a few years before this. I don't know, or stopped, sorry. So anyway, after I had the fibroids removed, I've never really seen properly since. And I've been the odd occasion when I've been really stressed when I've had a little show. But anyway, after I after I started healing physically from the fibroid operation, it, everything was always an operation. Like I always had the full-blown operation because I'm a big girl. So by about the Christmas, I was feeling to feel really low. I was going down and down and down into a spiral, feeling really awful. And I'd lost my son in a road accident when he was eight, back in 89. And I'd been offered antidepressants then and had said no. And sort of convinced myself that I was going through a nervous breakdown because I was in a job which was stressful and I'd never really grieved. I thought I'd not, you know, I never really grieved over Martin. The truth is I never stopped grieving over Martin, but I sort of made a link between not taking antidepressants then and thinking, oh, well, it's come back to me now. So when I was talking to the doctor, I only ever told him about the anxiety and the depression. I never told him any of the other symptoms. I never talked about the fact that I couldn't sleep at night, that I was really, I was having, you know, hot flushes and I have to sit under the window. I never told him about my restless legs or the fact my, my skin was itching or that my nails wouldn't grow or my hair was getting thin and all these things, which I, and aching bones, you know, all of these things, which I never told him about. I just said, I'm depressed, I'm having a nervous breakdown. So I ended up on antidepressants and I've been on them now since 2010. Now, I didn't go on HRT till this year, so even though over the last 10 years or so 11 years now, I've I've started to come to realise about three years ago that I didn't have a nervous breakdown and then it was menopause and I started to make the link. And, you know, but I, I thought I was too old to go on HRT. So I kept with the antidepressants because despite the fact I've never really felt well in the last 11 years, I felt better than I did when I was sitting in a pink coat with a hood up you know, wallowing in the self-pity and everything else. So I carried on taking the antidepressants because even though they weren't a cure, they were better than where I was. Um, and it was only when I, this year, I actually went private and had a conversation with a, with a, a menopause specialist and, and said, look, everybody's saying, oh, you should go on HRT, but I'm too old. And she said, I've got people of 80 years of age on HRT and explained it quite common sensely that... If you've lost these hormones, they don't come back just because you reach a certain age or you don't get reach a certain age and you don't need them anymore. So earlier this year, I went on HRT um, and I've started to wean myself off antidepressants in my own time. But, you know, it is working. I am coming on a lower, lower yeah. dose all the time. And I'm on HRT. My nails are growing. I've got more energy, more strength. I don't ache so much. Yeah. You know, isn't it um, shocking that we as women don't know this? We didn't know. We don't. We just think there's always crazy, more serious things going on with us. I've actually... had some terrible things. So women actually thinking they have cancer and spending three years worrying about it, only yeah. to discover they were menopausal. Yeah. You know, my mother. My mother never, ever, ever spoke to me about the menopause. But I can remember her having a conversation with her sisters. And I was told to leave the room and I was 36 because right. they didn't want to be talking about that kind of thing in front of me. Oh, right. Yeah. But that was what it was like. I mean, Les Dawson 
yes. taught me more about the menopause than anyone else, but he was making fun of it, saying it was on the change. And that's what it was always. Yeah. It was like something nobody spoke about. And if you did speak about it, you spoke about it in hushed tones. Yeah. I've started to think, why do we just, you know, pretend it's not happening? Of course, since the pandemic has started to ease off, and I had the private members bill, and we started the old parliamentary group, then Davina McCall did stuff, then Penny Lancaster did stuff. And all of a sudden, these women who are actually in the spotlight who historically would be terrified to talk about the fact they were getting older because they're in a business which doesn't allow you to get old and keep yep. in work. Um, and I thought, well, it's time that we all started talking about this. So we did. The reaction has been phenomenal. From the time I said we were doing a private member's bill and it was going to be on HRT, in the beginning it was all HRT, HRT, HRT. I think over time people have come to realise it was never the issue. Yeah. It was it was the, the, the carrots, the dangling of yeah. the carrot to get the global attention on the subject and it worked. Yeah. So, you know, and we got something, you know, we didn't get free HRT, but we got greatly reduced HRT. Yeah. But we got what we really needed was people talking about yeah. the menopause. People which talking is... about it. But also what you've done for that HRT bill is that loads of women who simply wouldn't have been able to afford to go on HRT and pay those prescription bills. Yeah. Now, or didn't know that they could yes. get HRT. But that's, that's still the problem yeah, is that it's yeah. getting the prescriptions because now we have to get doctors to there seems to be this real big skills gap between the doctors have not got the knowledge to join the dots so we there has to be a way of making that better in the future but we can't wait until a new cohort of students goes through and medical schools decide that they're going to put it on the curriculum we need a way of finding of blocking that gap yeah. now whether it's using sorry women's health nurses and getting them trained up you know and giving them the opportunity to work with women yeah. directly and prescribing yeah. but we've got to do something because there's a lot of women suffering and they shouldn't be suffering yeah Thank you so much, Carolyn, for being on our podcast and for sharing those experiences. And didn't you think that was interesting, that bit, Kate, where she talks about her mum and when she was sent out of the room because it wasn't deemed like a suitable conversation and she was in her 30s. Absolutely. Discussing the menopause and it was thought that she was too young. Yeah. <laughs> in her mid-30s. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, wasn't a suitable topic of conversation. How times have moved on. So, I mean, they that's have. a real positive, isn't it? And we even have now listeners who are in their teens, don't we, listening to what we're talking about. So. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Times exactly. have changed. What a difficult time these women would have had back in the day. It must have been quite a scary time to be a woman in your kind of 40s and 50s, not knowing what was going on and just having people think you'd gone mad and think you'd gone mad yourself. And then to have that kind of attitude that it's something that's deemed not suitable to talk to the young ones about, however old they are, even if they are in their 30s. Thank you very much. Um, everybody for listening to us keep writing into us um, it, we're dearhormones at yahoo.com and you can find us on Instagram we're at dearhormones please 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 if you're listening to this podcast right now it would be great if you could just go to the where the reviews and the ratings thing is on if you're on Apple Podcasts for example and just give us a review and um, maybe just write a little thing for us because it helps much more than you would think to get the word out there so uh, that was a little bit of a beg wasn't it babe? <laughs> if you could do that that would be we'd really really appreciate it and um and we will see you all next week thank you so much goodbye thank you bye that was dear hormones with jenny smith and kate baus if you've got a story to share email the girls at dearhormones at yahoo.com or they're at dearhormones on instagram until next time 